love for my brother make me like you. Make me a servant filled by your might, and may all my labors shine with your light. Show me your footsteps and what I should do, for now and forever, make me like you. What a beautiful song, and, and what an appropriate song for our lesson this morning. As we think about our discipleship, I, I, I think it's important for us to remember sometimes as we talk about following Jesus, being like Jesus, uh, what would Jesus do in, in this situation? We, we have, in many respects, a very romanticized vision of who Jesus is. We, we have a very romanticized vision of what his life on earth was all about. And, and we have these visual images of, of Jesus with the little children gathered around him, or Jesus holding the lamb in his arms. And, and those visions are correct visions. They're just not complete visions. Jesus was a servant. And when we, when we think about our discipleship, to be a disciple means to be disciplined after someone, to discipline ourselves in their way, in their teaching, in, in their life. We're going to be a disciple of Jesus. We want to be like him. And so we sang in that song, Make Me like you. It's important for us to know if we're going to be a follower after Jesus. It's important for us to know who he is, who he was on earth, and what his life was all about. In the Old Testament, the concept of servant was important. For, for the Jewish mind, there was no greater servant than God's servant, Moses. In, in fact, in the Old Testament, one of the highest titles of tribute that you could give to a man was to call him the servant of the Lord or the servant of God, the servant of Yahweh. And I want to just remind you, we don't have time to look at all of these passages, but I, I want you to be impressed with how important this is. Turn in your Old Testament to Exodus chapter 14. In Exodus chapter 14, as Moses is bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt, and uh, the Lord has uh, parted the Red Sea, and they have been delivered from the army of the Pharaoh, the text says in verse 30 of Exodus 14, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord, and they believed in the Lord, notice, and in his servant, Moses. Now, that doesn't seem like such a big statement there. 
but I want you to know the rest of the Pentateuch and, and the actually the Old Testament is full of that expression. If, if you just turn over very, we're not going to look at all of these. Uh, there are many more than what I've listed here uh, on this chart, but turn over to Numbers chapter 12 and, and look at verse number seven. And notice how Moses is referred to here. If you're underlining things in your text, I want you to underline this. The text uh, says in Numbers chapter 12, and in verse 6, he said, God said, hear my words. If there is a prophet among you, I, the Lord, make myself known to him in a vision. I speak with him in a dream. Look at verse 7. Not so with my servant Moses. Underline that again. My servant Moses. That's how he refers to him. He is the servant of the Lord. Turn to Deuteronomy. We won't look at all the passages in Deuteronomy, but look, look in Deuteronomy chapter 34. In verse 4, the Lord said to him, this is the land that I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I will give it to your offspring. I have let you see it. Moses is about to die, and God is giving him a vision of the land that was promised to Abraham, the land to which he has led the children of Israel through the wilderness those 40 years. And now Moses is not going to be allowed to enter the land because of his sin, but God is going to allow him to see the land. And God said, I have let you see it with your eyes, but you shall not go over there. Verse five, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab. Underline that. Moses, the servant of the Lord. Turn your page over, one page, Joshua chapter 1. What's the first thing you read? After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. Underline that. Look in verse 13. Joshua said to the people, remember the word that Moses, the servant of the Lord. Underline that. Look in verse uh, 15. He said, until the Lord gives rest to your brothers uh, as he has to you, and they take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them, then you shall return to the land of your possession and shall possess it, the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, underline that. I, I want you to see that over and over and over again in the Old Testament, this becomes almost a title for him, the honorary title. What is it? Moses, the servant of the Lord. It's, it's worth noting. In the New Testament, Jesus, as we read in our scripture reading this morning, Jesus was intent that, that his disciples would understand what discipleship is all about. You want to follow after me? Jesus said, you better get a, you better get a good look at me. You, you better understand what you're signing on for here. The Son of Man did not come to be served but to serve, and not just to serve, but to give himself, his life, sacrificially. That's what this service was all about. And so, as we think about that, now I'm going to ask you to turn to Philippians, the second chapter. Philippians chapter 2. 
And, and the Apostle Paul writing to uh, Christians in Philippi who were very close to him. He, he said to them, so if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affliction and sympathy, affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit. Now, we'll pause there. You remember Matthew chapter 20? You remember the context? James and John, the sons of Zebedee, with their mother, have come to Jesus saying, let, let us be number one and number two in the cabinet, in the administration. One on your right hand, one on your left. We're not going to kick you off the throne, but you put us right there next to you. And Jesus said, you don't even know what you're saying. You don't know what you're asking for. You don't understand what the kingdom is all about. The Son of Man did not come to be served. It's not about status and position that you are asking for. That's what they were asking for, a position in the king. Jesus said, that's not what the kingdom is about. Listen carefully. Paul is saying to these Christians, the kingdom of God is not about rivalry. Stop this business of jockeying for position among yourselves. That's not what the kingdom of God is about. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. Now, there's several things I want you to underline here in your mind, if not literally. But I don't want you to miss, I do not want you to miss that expression, taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of man. Being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Being a disciple of Jesus, being a servant, is as much an attitude as it is an action. Have this mind in you. And Jesus is saying to his disciples in Matthew 20, the Apostle Paul is saying to these Christians, look, discipleship is all about the way you think. It's, it's about the way you think about God. It's about the way you think about yourself. It's about the way that you think about your brethren. It's about the way you think about what it means to be part of the kingdom. Your attitude should be 
the same as that of Christ Jesus. Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, to hang on to. The servant attitude is fundamental to the life. Now, let me just suggest to you, you you might not be a biblical servant. There's all kinds of servants. But you might not be a biblical servant if, first of all, if your motivation is rooted in selfish ambition. That was the problem in Matthew 20. That's the problem in Philippians chapter 2. That is the problem in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Selfish ambition, making this all about yourself, making this a quest for something that is going to be about you, that's going to benefit you, that's somehow going to cast the spotlight on you, something that is going to help you something that benefits you. If your motivation for serving is ultimately rooted in yourself, be careful. You might not be a biblical servant if you're being motivated by selfish ambition. Secondly, if your intended outcome is recognition, be careful. Biblical servants are not about recognition of the world. Jesus said, this is not about pomp and circumstance. It's not about being seated on a throne. It's not about being the grand marshal of the parade. It's not about the spotlight on the stage being on you. If that is your intention in offering your service, that everyone will look at you, well, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, if that's what's motivating you, to do your benevolence, to give your alms, to help the poor, uh, to do your praying, to do your fasting, wearing a neon sign that's flashing and, and bells are ringing, saying to the world, I'm fasting, look at me. Jesus said, if this is all about recognition, you're not a biblical servant. You're not a servant in the kingdom. This, this is not biblical service. Thirdly, if your ultimate purpose is to benefit yourself in some way. I'll I, I just make the point. Biblical servanthood is the antithesis of Facebook selfies. Face, Facebook selfies are all about, I, I'm talking about as it pertains to things that we do for others. It, it is the person who is giving alms to help someone but is doing the photo op so that everyone can see that I'm helping this poor soul. See me, see me, see me. That's not what biblical servanthood is all about. It's not all about see me. Five points very quickly. Number one, servants are not status seekers. Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. What does that mean? <laughs> it meant that Jesus in his servanthood was not, he was not like James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were wanting to serve in the kingdom as long as they got the positions of prominence, move us ahead of those other guys, 
We want a little recognition there. We want status. We want positions in the, that's not what servanthood is about. I want to tell you, servanthood in the family of God is not for status seekers. And the role of a pastor in the church, the role of a deacon in the church, the role of a teacher in the church, the role of an evangelist in the church, it's not about status. It's about function. And that's all it's about, is function. It's about function so that the body can operate, it can, it can work the way God intended for it to work. That's what it's about. And, and so, ladies and gentlemen, when we are thinking about elders and deacons, preachers and teachers, let, let's not be thinking about status among ourselves. Let, let's be thinking about function. Servants are not status seekers. Secondly, Servants do not have a sense of entitlement. They're like, oh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a servant of the church. You do this for me. This is for me. This is all. No, it, it, it is not about. The, the text says that Jesus, Jesus did not count the equality with God a thing to be grasped. He made himself nothing taking the form of a, of a servant. I, I'll tell you, if there was ever anyone entitled, it was Jesus. It rightly belonged to him. The cattle on a thousand hills belonged to him. All the riches and glory of heaven belonged to him. Jesus had true entitlement. You want to be a disciple of Jesus? You want to be a follower of Jesus? You want to sing truly and honestly that song, Make Me a Servant, Make Me Like You? I want you to note in this text, Jesus, do you see verse 7 in Philippians chapter 2? Underline this. Jesus made himself nothing. He made himself nothing. And, and, and that's important for us to remember when, when we get caught up a little bit in, in what, what people owe us and, and, and what, what is due us and, and what we deserve, most of the time we don't want to go there with what we deserve. But when we, when we begin to tell ourselves uh, these things in, in, in the moment of feeling sorry for ourselves or in the moment of self-aggrandizement. And we're, we're just building ourselves up about, look, look at me and look at what is due me and look, look at what I ought to have and look at the way I ought to be. Servants like Jesus do not operate with a sense of entitlement. He made himself nothing, though in reality he was entitled to everything. Thirdly, I want you to be impressed from Philippians chapter 2 that servants are not actors. They're not pretending. And, and this is not some incremental thing on their part that every once in a while they put on their servant cap and now 
here they are, servant of the Lord, and then they get through their function, whatever it is, their little deal, and they take their hat off, and they're not a servant anymore. That's not servanthood, biblically. The biblical servant is a servant, first of all, in his mind, in his heart, in his life. It is not something he does. It's who he is. He serves. Jesus, the text says, he took on the very nature or the very form. Do you see that in verse 7? He made himself nothing, taking on the very nature or the very form of a servant. He didn't just pretend to be one. He was one. It was not a contrived thing. It was not pretending. And it didn't just happen incrementally along the way in his life. He had episodes when he played the part. No, he was the part. He was the servant. Fourthly, servants do not condescend. They identify. What do you mean condescend? Oh, bless your little heart. Let me help you with that. Jesus made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man. I think it's noteworthy that Jesus did not make a decision that, hey, I'm going to come down to earth. I'll be there at such and such a day. I'll be there for three days. I'd like to make stops here, here, and here. If you'll gather some folks there, we'll have a little have a little talk. If you can build a platform for me so I can stand up and have a speech. I, I'd, I'd like to walk among the crowd just a little bit, a few handshakes. I'll, I'll hold a couple of babies, you know, photo ops. And, and just, just let me... I'm going to be there, and, and I, I want to be among the people. I, I want to learn something about these people. I want, I want to introduce them. I want to get to know them a little bit. Jesus didn't come just to get to know us a little better, just to be near us for a few minutes. It wasn't, it wasn't like that. He didn't come just to be near us. He, he didn't come just to learn something about us. He came to be one of us. That is the very point that the writer of Hebrews is trying to impress on the minds of those early Christians. There's a reason why God clothed himself in flesh and blood. There's a reason why. He identifies with us. I want to tell you, you want to be a biblical servant? Biblical servants identify with those whom, with whom they are serving, and those to whom they serve. And finally, let me say to you that servants are not self-serving. In fact, they are selfless. Servanthood is not all about, let me be a servant just at your right hand, just at your left hand, I want to be the stage servant, the one who is on the stage, not behind the stage. 
I want the one in front of the curtains, not behind the curtain. No, that's not servant. Servants are not self-serving. It's not about, I'm going to do this because after all, <laughs> hey, win-win. We both get something out of this. I get more, of course. But we both get, no, that's not servanthood. Being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. We're, we're living in, in a culture, in a society that lives by the mantra, hey, it's all about me. Look at me. Life is all about me. Every situation is measured according to how it affects me. This is about me. Whatever situation we're in right now, I am reacting according to the way this is affecting me because life is all about me. That is not biblical servanthood. Biblical servanthood is the antithesis of that attitude that it's all about me. Biblical servanthood says it's not about me. But Lord, you, you didn't have to take on flesh and blood. You're the living, eternal God. It's not about me, he said. But Lord, you didn't have to come into this world that, that is full of sin and, and sickness and darkness and death. And he said, it's not about me. And, and Lord, you, you didn't have any sin. You didn't deserve to die. You don't have to die. And he said, it's not about me. It's not about me. Biblical servanthood is not glamorous, but it is glorious, because biblical servanthood glorifies God. This morning, as we extend the invitation of the Lord, I, I would remind all of us that what the Lord is looking for is He's calling us to be His disciples. He's calling those who want to follow after Him as servants of the Lord and of the Lord's people. If you're here this morning and not a Christian, what a wonderful time for you to obey the gospel, even this day, to confess Jesus as the Son of God and put him on in baptism. If you're a child of God who needs to come home, we bid you come while we stand together and while we sing.